Hello everybody, this is Curtis from Tremble letting you know that we are brought to you by Shudder. Shudder is the horror movie streaming service that brings you all the latest and greatest that horror has to offer. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can use TremblePod, that's T-R-E-M-B-L-E-P-O-D, when you sign up for an account. This will give you a free 30-day trial on us, so you can check it out for yourself. With that said, let's get on with this week's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Tremble, the horror movie podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. Taylor is out this week. She's got the flu. But with me, as always, is Steve. How's it going, Steve? I'm doing well. I watched the wrong shit, but I'm doing well. <laughs> yeah. Normally, we okay, normally we do like two back to back, but like Steve hasn't seen the second movie. Only seen the first. So <laughs> I fucked just, it up. We're just going to do one. But I will talk a little bit about uh, Mama as well uh yeah because yeah the movie is orphanage and then we're going to talk a little bit about mama movies that kind of have to deal with uh parental figures and kids Mm -hmm. and grief and trauma so and i you know i will ask the audience to bear with me on the next time that we record because i'm going to watch mama in that time and just give a couple of my thoughts on it but because i yeah i'm super bummed that i misread the schedule because I, I I do want to see Mama because that that's the first Andy Machete movie, isn't it? I think it's a, like that was one his, of his debut. I think it's one of his like first for Western audiences for sure. Right. I feel like he must have done this before, but in terms of like Western audiences for sure. Yeah. So I'm like, I, it was always like on my radar, but I never got around to it. And it's got Jess Chastain in it, so it's like I should have got into it, but. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I feel at a loss. So I totally want to give my thoughts on it when I do see it. So yeah, it looks like it was his first English debut because he did uh, a movie called Historias Braves Three, but yeah, never heard of that. The before. three and a half hours long. Is this yeah. real? Yeah. Oh, it's a compilation movie. Ah. Uh, so Mama is his first feature film. That's weird though, because that was like back in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, that was a while ago. He was yeah sitting doing other stuff for a while, I guess. I know, and so as far as feature films go, he, I mean, depending on how you feel about, like I, I can't say what I feel about Mama, but uh, he's fifty fifty right now because he did it in it chapter two. Yeah, and he's working on the new Flash movie, which yeah, which uh, should have a trailer soon. Yeah, you would think. There was a sizzle reel, I think, on the DC fandom. Yeah, I think they showed off, um, uh, like a, a scene from the movie with Supergirl and two versions of the Flash meeting Michael Keaton's Batman. Yeah, and you don't see Michael Keaton; you just see his back. Yeah, you see the back of Batman, but I, I mean, already my issue is that Ezra Miller is still cast. Yeah. I'm not a fan. I feel like... Not in this. I'm not a fan. I I like him in other stuff. Not this, though. I feel like, too, like with these DC movies, too, it's so disjointed as to, like, what's connected and what isn't Mm -hmm. and all this other stuff. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like... I'm like... Like... I I do think it's nice that we live in the golden age now where people are starting to bring back these actors. Like, No Way Home is going to bring back Toby and Andrew. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. bring it. 
Like, though not in that reg- that that last trailer. We all thought I, it's funny. I feel like collectively we all thought we were going to get Toby and Andrew in that trailer. Yeah. Um, but we did get Willem Dafoe's voice. Yeah. The thing is, I've I've said for a while. I feel like they want that to be a big reveal in the theaters. Yeah. And at this point, it is almost comical how much they're keeping it a secret. But I, I think they want people to go like, "Holy shit, it's Toby in theaters." Maybe less I've heard that Topher Grace's Venom's in that trailer. That would be hilarious. Right? I I like Topher. So I'm <laughs> just, like... Just bring him back for a cameo. I don't know. Yeah. Bring that. Bring the vampire teeth, Toby. Yes. That one scene in Spider-Man 3 where he's got like the vamp teeth. Do that one. I still remember. I think like that was one of the first movies I went to in theaters and I just had genuine disappointment. Like... I yeah, just, I, it was a mess. Yeah, I, I mean, this I am guaranteed for both of us. This was in our pre-rating days and pre yeah. kind of. Yeah. But like, we hadn't been totally jaded yet, because I feel like <laughs> there, like as a reviewer, there's a certain level of being jaded mm-hmm. that comes with the territory, and and some movies, some movies suffer because of it. Our opinions on them suffer because of it. You know, I mean, we're, we've been dragged down this path of really bad moves, and all of a sudden we get like a middling to all right movie, and we just score it really low because we're just like, fuck, I'm so fucking tired. Well, you look at like the prequel trilogy <laughs> of Star Wars. Like, I watched those, I enjoyed mm-hmm. them at the time. Obviously, now it's yeah. not going on. I'm like, yeah. no. But like, it's funny that Hollywood's now like, well, you know. We're going to revisit this. Like, now they're doing that Obi-Wan Kenobi show, and they're yeah. bringing back Hayden Christensen and, yep. um, God, I forget the Well, I think name. that, and I think that we're, everyone was a lot more harsh on Hayden Christensen where the blame should have been on George Lucas's really shoddy script. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and lack of being able to direct actors very well. He's yep. not a he's not an actor's director by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. He's a technical guy that's looking at everything in post. Yeah, and it is uh, what it is. But uh, I mean, yeah, there, there, there are movies that I brought it up many times that I liked at the time, and then I rewatched them, or if I see things about them later on, I'm like, ooh, that wasn't good. I mean, fuck three hundred. Yeah, to its <laughs> core, that movie's not good. It's no. a shit movie. But we celebrate it and we prop Zack Schneider up on it for years and years and years and years on a movie that's not great i'm just gonna say i think zach snyder peaked with uh watchman and that was it. yes he totally did he totally did and watchman has no business being as good as it actually is uh oh. and even it's it even it is a little bit flawed even i i i don't like that zach snyder and alex say decided that they needed to write extra scenes for the movie like that mm-hmm. interrogation scene with silk specter it's like you have so much fucking source material. Why do you need to plumb from that your own depths of what you believe it should be right? I don't know. I always say, like, Zack Snyder needs somebody who can write the movies for him because he should not be writing them. Uh, mm-hmm. And even, like, I think, well, it was, like, uh, Justice League or whatever. Like, he wasn't a writer on it, but it had the same writer, Chris Terrio, as... Uh, rise of skywalker so like uh, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah absolutely anyways 
Um, yeah, we're here to talk about the orphanage and a little bit of Mama. Um, <laughs> yeah, the orphanage uh, is about uh, Laura, who has happy memories of her childhood in an orphanage. She convinces her husband to buy the place and help her convert it into a home for sick children. One day, her own adopted son, Simon, disappears. Simon is critically ill, and when he is missing several months later, he is presumed dead. Grief-stricken Laura uh, believes she hears spirits who may or may not be trying to help her find the boy. Uh, we were talking before the recording that this is pretty similar to Ari Aster and like how he writes his movies, where it's not a lot of conventional horror, but it's more just really sad. <laughs> Like, like just gut punch after gut punch in this movie uh including the big twist at the end of what happens to um the boy but um yeah it's uh i i am by and large like this movie although i can mm -hmm. definitely see where people wouldn't because it's not a conventional horror movie no even it's a me, mystery it's yeah. a mystery drama yeah and even like I tried to find the film. The only copy I could find uh, was in Spanish, and there was no subtitles. So oh. I had to kind of like <laughs> to kind of ascertain a lot of it from what I could understand. And I had to read the Wikipedia later. So that was right, kind of like Ugh. somebody put please put out a version of this movie with subtitles, please. That's all I ask. Wow. Yeah. No. I I, I have it on DVD. Oh, perfect. Um, that that would be so much easier because I'm sure. Yeah. They have subtitles for that. Yeah, I I want to say at one point that Criterion Channel had it. Okay. Um, but yeah, nobody has it now. But uh, yeah, I bought this roughly when it came out on 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 DVD. Um, because I was working at a video store at the time. Okay. And uh, yeah, I it because we got we got them early, obviously to to um to get the rentals ready and everything, so we were able to watch them. And I remember bringing this one home right after kind of receiving it and, and uh, getting it ready for rental and watching it like, cause I think I was like closing. So I'd probably didn't even start it till like 11 30, 12. And it's, it's very atmospheric. <laughs> like as soon as you get into, into that old orphanage, um, it's very predicated on background noises and sounds and visuals and stuff like that. Yeah to drive it to, to be a driving force. And I think maybe the only thing to ascertain it to being a horror film is just the ghostly angle of what, how things are being revealed to her mm -hmm. because that's kind of where the supernatural stuff comes into it. But yeah, I, I would, I don't think I, I would even half consider it a horror film because it really is really much more on the, based on the unknown. So that's always puts it in a mystery category for me. Mm. Yeah. Like I, I'd never <clears throat> seen this movie before. So yeah. First time watch for me was earlier this week for the podcast. And yeah, I don't know what I was expecting. I didn't read the synopsis beforehand. I didn't watch a trailer. I literally just started it and I'm like, oh, let's see what this is. And uh, yeah, I mean, aside from uh, trying to figure out what they were saying, I also was uh, just kind of wondering, like, what what about this makes this a horror movie? And I think it kind of clicked for me, like, closer to, like, the around, like, a third of the way into 
the movie where things kind of start to pick up and it's like I said, not a conventional horror movie, but I think uh, for what it does, it does it really effectively well. And even like the stuff with grief and grief and trauma, uh, mm-hmm. it has some really interesting things to say on that. So uh, it, definitely not what I was expecting, but I think it's good too that like we live in a world now where like you have a twenty four and their horror movies and like Ari Aster and like mm-hmm. there are horror movies now that are more than just a slasher villain with a machete or a yes. razor glove. Like horror can be something that's a little bit more intricate and a little bit more um, deep in what it's trying to say. Uh, so it's interesting because I don't know how well this movie did, but I can't imagine it probably did that well when it came out. But like, I imagine no. if you did it now, like this kind of horror movie would really resonate well with people today. Absolutely. Well, especially um, not Curse of La Llorona, but there is that other La Llorona film that was on shutter oh yeah um it was so i was surprisingly good like i was because i think i had the stigma of curse in my head still like which is a movie that i wanted to like quite a bit especially because it has linda cardellini in it like i really wanted to like it Mm -hmm. but it just it just keeps playing in the same like little puddles and not and and there's nothing deeper about it which kind of bugged me um but yeah you release orphanage now it it is going to be a low level hit for sure. I, I believe. Um, and yeah, it, it was like part of that a 24 style of chillers before there was an a 24 style of chiller, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's yeah. Cause more than a horror. Yeah. I would definitely consider it just kind of like that, that chilling story. You know what I mean? With, with more of an emotional uh, resonance to it. Um, because I think at the time that that movie came out, horror was still suffering from a large, a large stigma that's kind of lessened over, over the the last fifteen years. I would say, mm-hmm. um, because I I think people are seeing that there's more facets within the genre. Yeah. Uh, the people that aren't as versed in horror are seeing that there's there's, there's a lot more depth to it. Or can be a lot more depth to it because there still is a lot of stupid, dumb shit horror being made. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, as fans, we we suffer the stigma of non fans trying to look in the peephole of the genre and trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I think the Orphanage is probably a film, though not quite a horror film, that would um, be a little bit broader for people to get into. Yeah. Um, so when you got on DVD, was that like the first time you watched the movie? Uh, when I rented it was the first time I watched it and then I bought it after okay. that. But yeah, it was, it, and it became one of those movies where I'm like, like to my coworkers, I'm like, oh, you need to watch this one. Oh, you need to watch this one. Mm. So it became like my recommendation for the next few months while, as it was on the new release wall. Nice. Um, Okay. Uh, um, oh, we got a couple emails for this movie. Uh, Jesse says, My boyfriend and I have had arguments about this movie. Time for you all to settle the biggest one we have. Is this movie a horror movie or a supernatural drama? Supernatural Maybe. mystery. Yeah. I would say it's both. Why can't it be? Mm-hmm. Who's to say it can't be both? Um. I would say probably leans more into the supernatural mystery, but yeah, it's still got quite a bit of elements of horror. 
So if I had to choose one, I would say the supernatural drama slash mystery. The the baghead kid is still very chilling. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like at a time too where putting <laughs> creepy kids in a mask was uh the thing. Just look at trick or treat. So Yeah. Um George says one of my all time favorites. I finished watching it, it still affects me more than a decade later. Probably one of the most depressing movies I've seen. Yeah, it's pretty depressing. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Uh, especially when you think about how the ending and how it all came yeah. together at the end. So It's tragic. And not to like throw that you need to be a parent for it to, for it to resonate, but as a parent, it's fucking devastating. Yeah, it, it is so much more devastating if you have kids in your life. So. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> then you conceptualize it. You, you compartmentalize it. You put it within yourself, and you're like, well, what I do? Yeah. It's it's harsh. It's mm-hmm. so harsh. Uh, let's see. Uh, best line in this movie. Uh... Uh, yeah, I don't know how you're gonna do this one, but I really, really like the line um, that uh, Balaban says: "Is you're not gonna find an exorcist in the yellow pages." It's yeah. very simple, but it's just like it kind of brings a reality to the 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 elements that they're dealing with mm-hmm. like it's it tries to ground it yeah it's a bit dark in its comedy because it is a funny line um yeah i would because I, I mean i'm tipping my hat already but uh the way that um bail and ruda plays off everybody is just exquisite she's she is such a fantastic actress oh is that the mom yeah yeah she was. i love belin ruda she's so good she's uh she was in a movie with um um javier bardem where he was a, a quadriplegic looking to end his life find the the right to end his life it's called the sea inside mm. she's so she's such a great actress i really like her that's awesome uh yeah best line i have no idea because everything was <laughs> It sounded good, but I had no idea what it meant. Oh, they definitely delivered their lines with conviction. You can definitely see that. Yeah. I'm like, well, that that was interesting. If I knew what that was, I would understand the emphasis of this. Um, You should score the movie in Spanish. I I should. I should. (laughs) Cinco. Cinco out of, what is it? Cuatro? No, cuatro is four. Um. Best performance. That's a great score. Six out of four. Like, come on. Yeah, it exceeded my expectations. <laughs> That's how you quantitate these things. Um, best performance. Yeah, I'd say the mom. The mom was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah I like I mean, Baylin Ruda a lot. Yeah, I haven't seen her in much else. So. No, I. I mean, she doesn't. She. She doesn't step outside of of uh, Spanish film, right? So. Yeah. Seems like the orphanage was her biggest movie, and then yeah. yeah, the sea inside was also a pretty big movie of hers. She did seem to do a few like kind of horror esque things. Julia's mm-hmm. eyes, mm-hmm. Uh, which body. when I see that title, I think of remember that movie from like five years. I think I played Viv, um, the eyes of my mother. Yes, <laughs> kind of reminds you a little bit of that. Yeah, Although, she works with Guillermo del Toro a lot. Who knows? He might bring her into his next well, movie you never know well and we didn't say but orphanage is actually produced by guillermo yeah and it's directed by j.a bayona 
who I mean, Bayona's, I, I, I mean, as far as Amer- people would know from American film, he's the guy that did Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. So let's not blame him entirely for that. Um, but he did a Monster Calls, the okay. one with the big tree, the the big Liam Neeson tree. Did you ever see that one? Uh, yeah, I did. The movie is actually. awesome. The movie is awesome, and yeah. again, a very driven film about a mother and a son and grief and that whole process like he does have themes that he plays on because uh, i think he also did the impossible which is that um tsunami movie with uh naomi watts and tom holland yeah and tom holland's the kid in that one so another yeah. mother and son film i actually he... really like the impossible it's actually quite good yeah it is very good i think it i think it got forgotten i think it got released at the same time that Clint Eastwood did a tsunami related movie with Matt Damon. Probably. Hereafter hereafter. <laughs> I think they came out roughly the same time. Yeah. And just the impossible got buried. Nobody thought about it. They were like, oh, Naomi Watts will probably get an Academy Award nomination on it. Like nothing happened. Yeah. Unless said about Fallen Kingdom the better, I think. Yeah, it doesn't feel like his movie. When you look no. at it and you compare it to the other ones, like sh- the way it shot in some po- points, sure. But script and story development and the amount of plot holes and just shitty aspects in, in Fall of Kingdom do not feel like a Bayona film. It feels like Amblin Entertainment puppeteering. Yes. You know, like he was a placeholder. Because honestly, he was stepping in for Colin Trevorrow, who had been fired, I believe, at that point. Yes. And I think he's back for the new one. He's back. Yeah, he did the latest one. Um. But yeah, he was a placeholder, and it's really unfortunate for him to get buried under the weight of that. Yeah, I believe. Oh, for sure. He's a much uh, better filmmaker than that film would ever lend you to believe. He's directing the first two episodes of the Lord of the Rings series, so that'll be. <gasps> oh, actually, that's really cool. Yeah, I'm totally, I'm totally down with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually very cool. I Bayona is a perfect choice for that, and you're gonna see, you're gonna see how how well he can he can do, especially if they give him. Um, some freedom. It'll be good to give him some redemption. I think he is a good director, but yeah, yes, I think I agree. If he pulls this off well, then people will forget about Fallen Kingdom and just how awful that movie was. Because I remember yeah. going to that screening, and I think everyone was pretty hyped. And I think it was funny because I looked around and like friend of the show Dan Nichols, you just see I was there. His excitement fleeting from his face, you know. Yeah, uh, I was there for that. Oh yeah. I was yeah. There. I don't know if we, I don't know if we knew each other at that we pro, like knew no. each other by name by that point but uh, yeah I was there. Yeah, that was that was one of those screenings where you go in excited and you left and you're like, what happened? How did they fuck I know. this up? <laughs> I know because I don't hate Jurassic World honestly. I I, I enjoy quite a bit uh, quite a uh, quite a lot of things from it. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that they're really unnecessarily harsh towards that assistant. Yeah. Like why? Why kill her like that? I'm gonna say something controversial about hmm. the Jurassic Park movies, but after they departed from the Crichton novels, it, I just checked out. Like I'm done. Like <laughs> I walked out of Shrek because I wasn't really enjoying it in 2001. Okay, and instead went and watched uh, Jurassic Park three. I don't know if that's an improvement, but... 
I just wasn't feeling Shrek whatsoever. The very first one. I just wasn't yeah. feeling it when I when I first saw that movie. Like I enjoy it now. I enjoyed it the first time I watched it afterwards. And, but I remember at the time, I'm like, none of these jokes are laughing or landing at all. I'm just not feeling any of this. And yeah. let's just go watch Jurassic Park. Yeah. Um, but well, uh, I I Jurassic Park one obviously a classic. I don't mind mm-hmm. Jurassic World the second movie. Um, it's it's definitely not as good as the first, but I, I like where they go with it and the twist at the end of them going to LA or whatever is, I mean, that's, that's pretty, I mean, when you're a kid, that that's pretty cool. But then mm-hmm. yeah, the third, even Jurassic world, like I just, I was like, I, it's, it's something was missing. And then by the time I got the fallen kingdom, I'm like, okay, you guys have just driven the car off the cliff. So, mm-hmm. uh, well, I mean, <laughs> the emotional manipulation that works in Jurassic in Fallen Kingdom is that fucking Brontosaurus on a burning island and like fuck how dare you do that to me whereas yeah. it's basically crying as fucking lava comes down the hill to incinerate it and you're like fuck you yeah <laughs> I was like fuck off you know what's crazy though is Orphanage is Bayona's feature debut that's pretty competent for a feature debut. Like amazingly, com- I, I'm blown away by the competence in that. Yeah, I, I mean the the resonance that he has in each scene. Like I, it, it feels like such a, it feels like a veteran film. It, it like yeah. there there's really, it, it feels like it's made by a dude that knows what the fuck he's doing. It's so it's structured really well, too. And we talked about this off recording, but one of the best jump scares in the last 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. Like mangled face woman after a car wreck reaching out of the fucking sheet. Yeah. Like that is that is that that is that 70s omen invasion of the body snatchers, that kind of stuff style jump scare. Yeah. That doesn't feel cheap. Mm hmm. Like, oh man, I really like it. Yeah, I I really like Bayona. I, I I'm sad that Fallen Kingdom is such because it is such a huge black mark on his career. I think I'd like to see him get that redemption, and I think he can. Yeah, like, yeah. Also, they're too, like, heading into doing that now, aren't they? They're they're just yeah. going to start production in the next few weeks, I think. I believe so. Yeah, but then also too like. I think Lord of the Rings also used a bit of redemption too. Those Hobbit movies were pretty garbage. So. Oh my God! Yeah, it's that frame rate plus stretch. Uh, you know how, how much can it be? How much can be blamed on on Warner Brothers just wanting to stretch it out into a trilogy? Yeah. Like I I I I, I hate to throw Peter Jackson fully under the bus for that shit. Mm-hmm. His frame rate stuff, I will blame on him. Yeah. But. He, I, it was greedy for from WB. Even it had he to be. redeemed himself. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Thank you for the I'm Beatles. <laughs> I'm going to make an eight hours long Beatles documentary and you're going to love it. Yeah. Uh, now I just want to hug the dude again. Yeah. Like I was really mad at him after the Hobbit movies. But now I want to hug him again. There we go. Actually, his World War One documentary is really fucking good too. Uh, they Shall Not Grow Old. Oh, yeah. It's I, really uh... fucking good. He's a that. really great documentarian. Like we spent our last two episodes really giving some love to Peter Jackson, well-deserved love for a completely different genre too, right? Like yeah. 
like his his schlocky splatter horror and then his like having fun and just being goofy horror and yeah full circle back to giving him praise again <laughs> yeah so all right um let's see uh best kill in the movie yeah but... not really much is there no I, i'm not I, I will. <laughs> I don't know. I. I mean, definitely the truck scene, the the uh, just out <laughs> out about on the town scene. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I, probably, there's not a lot of kills in this movie because again, no. it's not really uh, not what it's about. No, no. Apparently, there was an American remake of this movie. I think they tried, and I think I got scrapped. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, that'd be wild. It needs to be set where it is. Like, it doesn't... Yeah. I don't think it works anywhere besides yeah. where it is. I feel like it's one of the, it would be one of those cases where it would get lost in translation. Yeah, it would be incredibly forced, I feel, if they tried to, like, Americanize it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Instead of, like, an orphanage, it would be, like, some elementary school or, I don't know, some, some, some stupid Right? Shit like that she that. had these really great feelings about, then, yeah, like, it just, I don't, yeah, I don't even understand how it would. But there's something to be said, like, uh, <clears throat> I've been thinking about writing an article on this, but, like, how nowadays it seems like once movies miss a particular medium, you'll never see them again. Like, you know, if a movie doesn't get a dvd release and likely won't get a blu-ray release and likely won't get yeah. a streaming release like there's like a chain to these things that keeps going and it seems like this was one of those movies that just seemingly bucked off the train like yeah because i i definitely doesn't have the as far as i know it's they only gave it the one release yeah which is quite unfortunate like there's movies like this that just kind of get lost to time because people just doesn't get blu-ray doesn't get streaming like it, it is like a kind of like domino effect where you need one for the other so well I, apparently it did come out in 2008 on blu-ray i think that's the same time it came out on dvd though probably, so yeah yeah because there's new line that put it out and new um, line later got dissolved so i'm guessing warner brothers probably has yep. the rights in there somewhere but it's Warner Brothers. They probably yeah. Are. That same yeah. It was that same. It was the the DVD and Blu-ray came out on the same day. Yeah. So, so I want to write an article on that one day because it's interesting the movies that we kind of lose the time just because yeah it just misses some sort of medium release and that's it. Like you're probably the only way you can find some of these movies nowadays is to find like some really rare DVD or a VHS somewhere. It's wild. Yeah. Uh, and you know, honestly, in today's day and age, and, and especially with the sound design of this movie, a 4K release would be really great. And oh, yeah. WB has been doing a lot of 4K releases, so I mean, we just missed the perfect time to have been doing this. Yeah, WB, if you're listening to this, just put on a 4K. You have it in yeah. your vault somewhere, because yeah, I know New Line got dissolved into Warner Brothers, so they would hypothetically have all the rights that New Line had. So yeah. Uh, okay. Um, dumbest decision. I can think of any, mainly because I couldn't no. understand this movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I mean, it's largely reactionary. I, I mean, maybe her memories are playing tricks on her to make her have such a like a romanticized version of that. But that's just the way memory plays sometimes. Yeah. Or trauma. You know what I mean? Like that's why I I it plays very well into that A twenty four style because even in those movies they're not everything's reactionary and stuff like in Ari's movies or or in uh, you know the Numi Rapaz Lamb or all these other ones is everything's kind of reactionary and very kind of human driven and Mm -hmm. I mean when when things when memory is the catalyst of the of the story I mean there's a there's a um show on netflix they're really short episodes but it's the mind explained and there's one episode about memory and mm. about how your brain completely changes things around changes locations does so many different things that you have a different um, process of them as uh, as you get five years away from them 10 years away from them or whatever you know especially exiting your childhood going into adulthood for a long time having your own child and everything definitely fucked with her memories of how she was brought up mm. yeah that's uh it's just wild but i don't know even when i was watching the movie i was like i can't really see anything being dumb even if i couldn't mm. quite understand it all the time <laughs> i'm like this seems all in line with character stuff so can't see anything was stupid uh time to give this one a score what would you think for a score uh, the orphanage is an eight out of ten for me. Um, it's, I, I just, I, I think it's such a well constructed film on every level. Like, um, Balin Ruda is incredible. She's the anchor of the film. Um, the one, two, three knock on the wall is such a creepy additional element to this little ch- child's game. Um, yeah. that essentially kills her kid. You know, like, um. Yeah, and it's shot impeccably, uh, and it's it, it exists really well in that Guillermo del Toro umbrella of kind of gothic stories, uh, and the sound design's out of control. I it's I I absolutely love movies that um, uh, the horror movies that use that as their element mm-hmm. to get under your skin. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that. It's a movie that sticks with you. Yeah, and, I can see that. Um, yeah, I, I like that emotional quality to it. And uh, yeah, this isn't a Blum movie. This is an A24. I think we nailed that one on the head. Yeah, definitely feels like it. It's no trick or treat. Or not trick or treat, sorry. I wanted to say uh, truth or dare. <laughs> truth or dare, yeah, 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 yeah. Doesn't exist in that, yeah, that's that um, umbrella of film. It, it, it feels more artful and, uh, yeah, that's interesting. I, uh, I like revisiting it for sure. I uh, noticed that uh, Netflix has a director's cut of Truth or Dare up. So, you know, if you want to see the director's true vision of Truth or Dare, it's, oh it's up on Netflix. I don't know if it's any better. Probably not. But uh, I'd give this an 8 out of 10 as well. I was thinking like 7, but I will give it a bit of a benefit of the doubt. I was mainly putting it at 7 because I couldn't understand what was going on. But I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I'll I'll bump it up to 8. 
uh, wasn't the movie's fault. I couldn't quite understand it. So, I don't know. Yeah, 8 out of 10. It is good. Um, definitely, we need a, a proper re-release of this. Like, even if they were to do the cover with, like, the the mask, like, that would be mm-hmm. So Absolutely. I'm all for those Blu-ray re-releases when they just get a little creative and wild with the covers. Like, just doing like something like the mask or i don't know something like that you, i'm th- sure you could do something cool so. okay well i could talk a little bit about mama which was gonna be our second movie but yeah steve didn't get a chance to watch it <laughs> i messed it all up and taylor's not here so uh i'm just gonna what i'll do is describe the movie go through the emails and just give my thoughts because uh, this also wasn't really a movie that was heavy on the awards category, so I could probably just skip that. But uh, after the death of their parents, two young girls are forced to reside in a house that has a dark and ominous presence. Uh, even after getting rescued, the evil forces follow them to their new home. Uh, yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, it was not my first time watching it. I watched it around when it, around the time that it chapter. It Chapter 1 or It Chapter 2 came out. I remember I was like, I want to get in on the Andy Muschietti train. Um, yeah. And I, I overall enjoy it. Uh, got a couple emails. Tyler says, this movie is good, but for me it's great because of Jessica Chastain's performance. Totally agree. She's great in this. Uh, Riley says, this monster chick looks like the witch from Adventure Time. Yo, research this and tell me I'm wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I looked this up and not that far off um yeah uh i'd give mama i'd give it also an eight out of ten mama is also quite good i think it's not as good as it chapter one but i mean pretty much everything is better than it chapter two so <laughs> yep. i remember two i went to the screener for it chapter two and i was just so let down because i was like how can they fuck this up and then you know. they, they, they can. They they really can. So. It's all all the wind comes out of your sails within the first, within that opening, the Adrian Mellon opening. Yeah. Does it all just, what? It uh, just, it, I, I, th- I might even have said it in theaters. I was like, what? Yeah. What is happening? Yeah. Ugh. Uh, trauma. Theatrical what? trauma. For what's worth, Letterboxd tells me that Taylor gave this movie 5 out of 10. So, she did not like it as much. Uh, um, uh, Mama? Yeah. Gave it 5 out of 10? Oh, I I feel like we'll both have some stuff to say next time. Yeah. Also, this is two years ago, so she might have changed her mind a little bit. Who knows? But, cool. Well, uh, the next set of recordings won't nearly be as classy as these two. No. Um, oh, no. <laughs> you know, I I was thinking, let's talk about some horror movies, some Christmas horror movies. And we've done Gremlins. We've done a lot of the other good ones. So really, we start going into some of the ones that are campy. But I would argue they're camp classics. Uh Maybe not great, but under the right influence, they can be enjoyable. We're talking uh, both. Uh, gosh, I am totally blanking. Uh, we have Jack Frost. That that was that was it, and uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Two. So, 
Uh, Which are the these are the movies that I watched instead of what I was supposed to be watching. <laughs> hey, you know what? You're prepared I, for the next recording, so yeah, can... I totally screwed the pooch on that one, and I watched the wrong movies because I was reading the schedule wrong. It's okay, and I ruined my own weekend. I'm well, prefacing these episodes with the fact that I hated them. So let's get into that next time. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I can totally understand why somebody would not like these movies, but I'm going to get into why I think they've got their own little weird belligerent charm. Is it because uh, you love Garbage Day? Uh, You know what? Garbage Day is <laughs> a classic line of cinema. Garbage Day? I mean, spoilers for best line, but it's, it's got to be perfect, right? And then he's walking around looking at a gun going, <laughs> that performance like, what is, the f- That performance is like some gonzo weird performance that, like, yeah. It's like Eric Freeman got all, like, sad getting all cooped up in, the in like, that one room for the majority of the movie, and he's just like, I'm going to go fucking insane. Yeah, exactly. Um, else I'd get say ready for that. There's um, Joe Bob did uh, episodes covering these two, so if you want to watch. Oh, that, really? Yeah, that's how I rewatched my Jack Frost last night. And oh, uh, boy, you know what, Jack Frost for best line, I have at least twenty different lines that it could be. And they're all sure. Jack's lines, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. It, well, actually, the sheriff has a few. I think I literally wrote down like well, he t- he becomes so quippy in the end of the movie. The, the it's sheriff? like he becomes a different character. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. he becomes a different character for like the third act. Yeah. He becomes John McClane. Yeah. Not that, that <laughs> far off. Um, <laughs> but we're going to talk about these movies and maybe why they're so bad they're possibly good or why they're just so bad you want to ignore them for the rest of your And you thought we were done, but we forgot sign offs <laughs> because you know what? It's just been a weird and wild week, uh, but we don't absolutely. Forget things. Uh, forgetful I, i'm not the only one that's forgetful yeah you know what it's <laughs> like it's this time of the year you know uh we're all thinking of christmas breaks and uh yeah. how much alcohol we will drink to numb the pain of 2021 for sure um, and we don't want anyone to contact us from the outside yeah no that's why we're not giving any sign offs we're just like don't talk to me don't don't just don't talk to us <laughs> i'm done for the year i've hit my quota I should try to get the actor that plays Jack Frost on for that episode. That would be Oh wild. my god. What a he, he's Oh my god. The 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 look of him. I was like, "Oh my god." I'm like I'm like they were looking for Bruce Campbell but they couldn't get him. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. That guy's wild cuz he's been in a bunch of Star Trek stuff, which is interesting, but I digress. We'll talk about <laughs> those I can't oh. wait to talk about the transformation the even the scene of him getting out and threatening that the the uh, the prison driver and then getting doused with the chemicals <laughs> like there's just there's so much to talk about that's hilarious or the infamous bathtub scene which... oh yeah did oh my god yeah I I have a lot to say about that scene too <laughs> anyways Steve where can people find you on the internet yeah I am on Twitter and Instagram at the Steeple Dead. I believe I'm on Letterboxd as the same. Um, I'm pretty much up to date on all of the stuff that I watch currently for a review. Uh, still trying to catch up on the Tremble picks, but mostly I've already seen them anyway, so it's like not like new reviews. Um, right. And uh, I am on the shift with Shane Hewitt every Thursdays at 11 p.m. Pacific time uh, across Canada. 
And I am part of the three things to do for the weekend on uh, the Jazz Joe Hall show on CKNW in Vancouver. Uh, I just did a really fun spot on uh, Get Back for the Beatles. You probably find that on their website. Nice. Uh, I'm over at threeingreeners.com. Got reviews going up almost every other day. I'm just trying to see what did I review on the latest episode. Let's see. Uh, we've got reviews of House of Gucci, uh, which slightly above mediocre. It, it balanced out to a 6 out of 10 for me. Uh, the Beatles, Get Back, Wolf, uh, Bruise, and talk about the first two episodes of Hawkeye, which, spoiler alert, I think is probably the best Disney Plus Marvel show they've made so far. So, not like that's saying a lot, but yeah. Uh, and then uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, film critic Kurt, and then on Letterbox, Fatal Koala, and then Sir or Taylor is Circeanic on Twitter. Uh, she's also on Letterbox as well. I don't think she nearly updates it as much as you or I do, but she's got she's got quite a bit of scores up there. So you can check out what she thinks on some of these movies. Like for instance, I was like, "What does she think of Mama?" And I saw that she gave it a five out of ten. So there you go. Until next time, everybody, bye for now.